Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. God is good, isn't he? You know, and uh, it's good to see all of you. You're doing well? Anybody get sugared up yet today? Yeah, I haven't. Liam has. Like Liam has been like, I saw him this morning. He had one piece of chocolate in his hand. He had something else in his hand. And like, you know, he'd be bouncing off the walls, but that's okay. He's in the nursery. <laughs> Along with 20 other sugared up kids. How many of you are glad you're not in nursery today? My wife and daughter are. I got to go home with them. I better be short. <laughs> Man, it's good to see all of you. Hey, we had a we had a great week. It was a real blessing. Um, to we we closed on right this week, and we took possession of it. And uh, it, you know, it's a very humbling thing when you think that you're being used by God. I, I got to tell you, it's a humbling thing. We don't take it for granted. We don't take it lightly. We believe that God has a destiny for every person in this city. We believe there's a destiny for that neighborhood. We believe that Jesus um, came to redeem us all. And we are agents of transformation because we're transformed people. And we work and we give and we sacrifice. And uh, man, thanks for all of you who've been a part of it. it it's exciting. It's going to be exciting. I, I can't even imagine sometimes what the future is going to hold. But it's awesome. Let me speak to you this morning. I won't be real long. I'll be rather short. <laughs> because you all have plans for dinner, right? What time do you have planned for dinner? Now. Some of you said now. Some of you are lying. All right. Today's your day. You can get saved from that lying spirit on Easter Sunday. All right. But, uh, but we, we, I won't be real long. It's kind of funny. I, I love Easter. I love preaching the Easter stuff, like around the whole story of Easter. Actually, I would prefer preaching it even more than Christmas. Um, but how many of you know, as believers, as the redeemed of the Lord, Easter Sunday should be no different than every other day of the week? I mean, we celebrate it. Praise God, we have a moment. We celebrate it. But how many know the power of it and the reality of it is no different than any other day of the week? Because we're, we're, he's just as much risen tomorrow, yesterday, next week, the year later, all right, and we are transformed people because of it. So anyhow, all right, so I'm going to start this morning. I want you, I got some scriptures I'm going to put on the screen because I'm going to preach to you for a few moments or read to you from the ever-exciting book of Leviticus. I mean, that'll put you to sleep quick. So you preach on Leviticus on Easter Sunday because everybody's had sugar and they're a little wired. And let me give you good news this morning. Jim Arndt's here. Jim Arndt's cancer points went down 400. His, his numbers went down 400 points, and we give God praise for that. But I'm going to speak a few words from Leviticus, and I'll show you why in just a moment, because I want us to understand something this morning. I want us to get the totality of who Jesus is, because I'm going to tell you something. I did a little thing on Wednesday night. I'll share a little bit of that with some other things. The message is in the details. Have you ever missed a message because you missed the details? How many of the Holy Spirit knows how to give details? And I'll show you some of this in the New Testament. But let me start with a few scriptures I'm going to show you on the screen that's found in Leviticus chapter 16. It says, he's talking to Moses, and God says, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil. Now, you're going to notice that I have a few words that are in bold and underlined. All right? Everybody say veil. All right. All right. Before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, or he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. 
Next verse. Aaron shall enter the holy place with this, a bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And then verse four says, and he shall put on the holy linen tunic and the linen undergarments shall be next to his body. And he shall be girded with the linen sash and attired with the linen turban. These are holy garments. Then he shall bathe his body in water and put them on. Let me stop there for a moment. So God is giving instructions to Moses to give instructions to his brother Aaron, who was the high priest of Israel at that point in time. The high priest, once a year, on the Day of Atonement, would have to do prescribed rituals prescribed by God in order for the sins of Israel to be covered for a year. Man, see, it's kind of like when we go to church just on Easter to cover for our sins for the next year. Just kidding. Some of you aren't liking that. (laughs) I'm having fun. Now listen to me for a moment. So here's what happens. So tell Aaron, the high priest, that he's to get dressed in a linen ephod and he's to kill the, uh, the ram, and he's going to be dressed in his linen ephod. Now watch what happens. The next verse. Then Aaron shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself in his household. And he shall slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall then take a fire pan of coals from the fire upon the altar before the Lord and the two handfuls of finely ground sweet incense and bring it inside the veil. Let me tell you why he did that. The reason that he did the incense was he was to create a cloud of incense to protect him from the glory of God. All right? That's what it was for. Now, this is really, you're saying, well, why are you telling us that? Just bear with me. Just, if you all promise to bear with me for about 10 minutes, I'll make sense of all this. Would that be a deal? Okay. Oh, boy, the pressure's on now. All right? Now, watch this. Then, moreover, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat. The mercy seat was the lid to the Ark of the Covenant, which held the Ten Commandments, which was inside the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go once a year. All right. He shall sprinkle it on the mercy seat on the east side. Also in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his fingers seven times. He shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the Ark of the Testimony. Otherwise, He's going to die. I mean, I think it'd be a little fearful thing to go into the presence of God in that day and era. I mean, come on, you're the, you're the high priest. You're going into the holy holies. You've got to do this right. You're trying, or you're going to die. Man, I thank God for Jesus. Okay, and then the last verse, I'm going to read you out of Leviticus. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garments, which he put on when he went into the holy place, and he shall leave them there. And you're saying, why is this freak reading all these Old Testament scriptures? Let me show it to you in a few moments. So here's what happened. So I want you to get this. Aaron was the high priest of Israel. He was the mediator between God and the people. If, if the high priest did not perform his duty on the day of atonement, the people would die because of their sin. There'd be no um, covering for sin. There'd be a, no atonement for sin. So what he was doing was incredibly important. So the priest would present a sacrifice He would dress in his holy garments, which were white linen, because typically the high priest was dressed in a very ornamental, almost a royal robe. And he had a turban on his head that was gorgeous. He carried the 12 stones of Israel on a breastplate. It was just this incredibly ornate, beautiful, regal outfit that he took off 
when he offered the ram and he offered the blood. He would slay the sacrifice on the altar for the sins of the people. Because when you come into the tabernacle, you would come into the tabernacle and you would come to the altar where they would kill the animal and offer that on the altar. Okay? And then they would take the blood from the altar and go into the holy place. He would go behind the veil that separated God from the people. He would then offer incense to guard him against the glory of God killing him. He would then put the blood on the mercy seat, which was the Ark of the Covenant. Then God's glory would come down, accept the sacrifice, and the sins of the people would be atoned for for another year. And then Aaron would leave the holy place, remove his linen cloths, and leave them there. And then he would put on his high priestly robe once again. This happened every year, after every year, after every year, after every year. This would happen. Now, you're saying, why am I doing that? Now, I want you to go with me. Turn, grab your Bible. Go with me to John chapter 19. All right, pick up the Bible. There's one underneath a chair in front of you. You can grab your phone, pull up your Bible app, uh, your iPad, all those other toys that we have, right? Because I want you to follow along. I'm going to take you on a little journey. I'm going to try to be quick, and I will be quick, I promise you. But how many know I, that's a relative term. Because if if I was to give this a title today, I would give it a two-word title. Jesus is. Jesus is. Let me give you some bad, I want to give you some bad English. Can I give you some bad English for a moment? Say, well, you do it every week. Why not I stop now? All right, let me give you some bad English. Because Jesus is, I is. How many know because Jesus is, I am? How many know because Jesus is, you are? Come on. How many know everything in our life is because Jesus is? Brad Knott stands up here, gives a testimony to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ because of who Jesus is. Aren't you glad it's not based upon who we are? All right, so I'm going to give you two words today, Jesus is. All right, so let's begin with this. So let's go to John chapter 19. John 19. Verse 1. It says, Then Pilate took Jesus, had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe. And went up to him again and again, saying, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him on his face. All right? And so, so watch this. I thought it was interesting. I'm going to show you why I brought this scripture out. They're mocking him and calling him King of the Jews. But how many know in their mocking was actually truth? Uh, isn't it amazing sometimes that those who mock Jesus, in their mockery, they're actually speaking truth? Remember, uh, uh, th- so they're mocking him and they dress him as a king. But the fact of the matter is, he is a king. Now, let me go on. Now, watch what happens. We're going we're to go through this. I want you to go to verse 16 and 17. Because after Pilate says, I find no offense in him, they don't care. They want him to turn him over. So now here's where it gets good. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. I mean, I love that scripture. So the, the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Let me get this straight. You're telling me that there's a bunch of Roman dudes that were able to take charge of the Son of God. You're telling me that there was a bunch of human Roman guards that took authority and charge over Jesus. How many know the only reason they could take charge over Jesus is because Jesus let them take charge over him? Okay? Now follow this. So watch this. So carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, 
And there they crucified him and the two others, one on the east side and one in the middle. Let me start here. Jesus is. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Listen to me this morning. This isn't Jesus carrying his cross. Oh, it is Jesus carrying his cross. This isn't about the Roman soldiers who are making him do it. This is Jesus, the high priest, who is now taking the ram to the altar called Calvary. How many of the high priest is now presenting the offering? You see, we got to get this in this picture because we got to understand that everything Jesus is doing here is tied to the Old Testament and there's a prophetic fulfillment. The Bible says that Jesus is our great high priest. And now the high priest, he's not being taken charge of. He's saying, here we go. Let's take the cross because we're going to the altar because I got something to sacrifice for the sins of the people. I want you to get the picture this morning that the high priest is now carrying this cross. Why is he doing it? Because he's getting ready to present the offering. Remember what Hebrews tells us? Hebrews says, holy brothers, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Hebrews tells us in verse chapter nine, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation. So get this. So here comes Jesus. He's carrying his cross. But this isn't a man carrying a cross. This is the high priest bringing the offering that was going to be slain for the sins of the world. Do you get it? Follow with me. Just follow along. You're saying, get there soon. I will. All right? Now watch this. But the high priest had to put on those holy robes, that holy linen, to be able to present the offering. Isn't it funny that they had him dressed up and mocked him as a king? But now the Bible tells us, watch this. Verse 23, that when they crucified him, they took his clothes. How many know we're talking about the purple robe? And they divided them into four shares, one for each of them. And the un- with the undergarment remaining. How many know what the undergarment was made of? Ah, linen. It was made of linen. How many know the high priest was now getting rid of the robe, and now he was getting ready to present the offering with the linen, the holy garments of death. Those holy garments that the priests used were holy garments of death. Right? This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Man, I hope you can catch the prophetic implications of this. We're going to keep going. All right, so now here's Jesus, the high priest, bringing the ram to the altar to be sacrificed. And now he's putting on his, uh, um, what you would call his linen ephod, his linen clothes, to present that offering. Right? Now watch this. Scroll, go with me. Let's go to verse 28. And later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop and lifted it to his lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it's finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You know what Luke tells us happened at that moment? Luke tells us at that moment that the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. The veil, what did the veil do? The veil separated the glory of God and God from human flesh. But how many know that the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus, that, that, that Paul said that, that Jesus became the veil. You see, get this. Now, all of a sudden now, here's the high priest. He's bringing the altar to Calvary's cross. And now he's in his linen ephod. And now he's going behind the veil where he's going to present the blood of the lamb. Are you getting it this morning so far? You see, all of this is because Jesus is. He is the high priest. He is the ram who was offered. He is the veil. He is the one going behind it. All right, so stick with me. So he goes behind the veil. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, 
by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. He was the veil. He is the veil. So got this. He goes. He brings the ram to the altar. He puts on his linen eat bought. He now goes behind the veil. And what happens behind that veil? He takes that blood. And Leviticus told us that Aaron had to take it and put it on the mercy seat, which was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And on that Ark, this, this Ark, this mercy seat, let me tell you what it's made out of. It was made out of a pure gold. The Ark itself was made of acacia wood and was overlaid with gold. But how many know the mercy seat was pure gold? Do you know why it was pure gold? I believe it was pure gold because the Bible tells us later that Paul said he became our mercy seat. And how many know that gold spoke of divinity and royalty? And how many know Jesus is divinely regal and royal? It spoke to his divinity. But watch this. So, so now Jesus goes in to this holy place that I call the tomb. And how many know nobody else was there? How many know it was behind that seal? Now go with me. To verse, to chapter 20. Now watch. Verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now watch this. I want to show you something. How many of you know that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has inspired the Scriptures? It was by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, that John wrote, that Luke wrote, that Matthew wrote. And so when you're looking at things in the Bible, you've got to say, this is something that the Holy Spirit wanted to be brought out so people could see it. So get this. So watch it. It says, so he saw, then Simon came. I'm sorry, verse 5, he bent and over and he looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Strips of linen? Why did the Holy Spirit take the time to mention the strips of linen? Hmm. Then Simon came along behind him and he went straight into the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And the cloth was still laying in its place, separate from the linen. It's an amazing thing, is it not? So here is the Holy Spirit inspiring John to write, don't forget about these strips of linen. How many think they might be important? Why were they left behind? Why is it? Well, because remember, remember something. The high priest had to go in, take the blood of the lamb into the holy place in his linen ephod, put the blood on the mercy seat. When the blood was put upon the mercy seat, God would come down. He would meet with the high priest. The sins would be atoned for. And the high priest, remember what we read earlier with Aaron, would leave there, take off the linen ephod that he wore in there, and he would leave it there. How many know Jesus just put the blood on the mercy seat and he left those clothes behind? I mean, do you see this this morning? This is our Jesus. He is our high priest. This is, not a, this is not something that the Romans contrived. This is not something that some man contrived. This is a prophetic plan of God. This is a prophetic plan. You say, but what does that mean in my life? What does it mean in your life? It means that the prophetic plan of God is being enacted in your life. Because if the prophetic plan of the past has been enacted, how many know the prophetic plan of the future will be enacted? 
It's the prophetic plan of the past that gives me confidence that God's going to fulfill the prophetic past of the future. And I'll get to that in just a moment. Watch this. So now, Jesus, our high priest, leaves his linen cloth behind. And he puts on, what does the Bible say? The Bible says he puts on his high priestly robe. Because I mean, you know, he put on his high priestly robe. And let me tell you where he is today. The Bible says he put on his high priestly robe. And now he sits at the intercessory seat at the right hand of God. Guess who he's mediating? Guess who's on behalf of who he's mediating? You and me. How many know that Aaron and all the high priests were mediators between God and between men? And now we have a faithful, true high priest who lives to intercede forevermore for you and I. You see, here, here's the best part about this, though. That Jesus, the high priest, goes into the Holy of Holies, the tomb, I'm calling it. And the Bible says that he put the blood somewhere. Where did he put it? There was no Ark of the Covenant in there. But where did he put it? He put it on the mercy seat. You say, but where was the mercy seat? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go with me. All right. Verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white. Hmm. I mean, the Holy Spirit's giving you details. Two angels in white. But not just saying, I saw two angels. John says she saw two angels seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and one at the foot. How many think the head and the foot might be important? What are we getting a picture of here? Let me tell you about that lid. That mercy seat, the lid, the atonement cover, whatever you want to call it. It was made out of pure gold, hammered pure gold. And on it were two cherubims, angels. And one was at the, this end, and one was at this end, head, foot. And they were built this way that the wings would come up like this. And the blood was applied here. And when the blood was applied here, the Shekinah glory came down there. Paul told me, Paul says that Jesus became our mercy seat where the blood was applied. What she's seeing is a prophetic picture of Jesus, the mercy seat. But here's what I want you to know. You see, it was the mercy seat where God would meet the priest on behalf of the people. And I want to tell you something this morning. The meeting place for you and God is not a church. The meeting place for you and God is the person called Jesus, who is our mercy seat. You want to meet God? You meet him through Jesus, who's the mercy seat. You want to see God? You come through the mercy seat. Listen to me this morning. I'm telling you something. You better get the prophetic implications of this. You want to see God? You see him through Jesus. He is the meeting place. How many people are trying to find him in so many other ways? They're trying to get to God through good works. Trying to get there through church. Pick a medium. There's only one meeting place, and his name was Jesus. But then... I want you to know something. You see, this high priest, where'd he go? What's he doing? The high priest would come out of the Holy of Holies after making atonement for the people. And we'd go back to his high priestly job of mediating on behalf of the people. You see, Jesus became the mercy seat. But how many know he went from the mercy seat to the intercessor seat? where he's seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says clearly interceding for you and me. The Bible says I have a high priest that can sympathize with my weaknesses. 
The Bible says I have a high priest that knew every temptation known to man. The Bible says to me today that Jesus is not someone that can't relate with your temptation, cannot relate to your trouble. I'm telling you this morning that Jesus understands what you're going through. Some of you have been tempted and you have failed. Some of you have been uh, uh, persecuted. Some of you have been going through struggles. Some of you have gone through tra- uh, uh, a tragedy or a trial. Come on, we have a high priest who's interceding. But he's interceding based upon his ability to be able to sympathize with where you are. Some of you say, well, I've been rejected. Yeah, so was he. Some say, I've been betrayed. So was he. Some say, well, this happens. So did that. Pick one. He's a faithful high priest. But see, there's an interesting thing. I'm almost done. You say, wow, we should have Easter every week. We do. <laughs> we do. Remember the Last Supper? Hmm? At the Last Supper, it was a Passover meal. Jesus is celebrating. There's four cups of wine in that Passover meal. I won't do them justice. I'm trying to remember them. I, I forget. But there was the first cup, which was a cup of, of sanctification. There was the first cup of deliverance when God, they would celebrate God taking the Israelites out of Egypt. Okay? That was the first cup. Then there was the cup that was the, called the cup of restoration. And then there was a cup called the cup of redemption. That third cup, the cup of redemption, is what many scholars believe that Jesus was offering when he said, here, take this, drink from it. This is the cup, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, all right? But then he made a profound statement. He said this, he said, for I will not drink of it again. I will not drink of the vine again until it finds fulfillment in my Father's kingdom. There was four cups of the Passover. We have three recorded. And I'm here to tell you, guess what's going to happen? Someday, the fourth cup is going to be drank. And someday, we're going to drink it with Jesus as a fulfillment to everything else that has already been done. The fourth cup is coming. You see, because here's the deal. He became my mercy seat. He now sits in the intercessor seat. And guess what happens? It means he gave me a seat at the table. Because someday, I'm going to sit at the wedding supper of the Lamb with my Jesus, whose blood was shed for me. Come on. How many of you know that the prophetic past gives me confidence? of a prophetic future. Do you think it's an accident? No. No, it's not an accident. You see, what well, you say, well, what, what's the point this morning? The point is you're everything because Jesus is. You're redeemed because Jesus is. You can be born again because Jesus is. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus how do I want to say this and really not butcher the English language? We can't just say that Jesus was. To say that he just was misses the power of what he is. Jesus is. He is my high priest. He is the lamb that took away the sins of the world. He is the one who became the mercy seat that I meet God through. He is the one who intercedes for me. He is the one that the Bible says is coming back someday. Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is.
See that? I'm almost done. What would I want you to leave with here today? I want you to leave here, first of all, I would pray that every one of you would leave here being able to say, my Redeemer lives. We sang a song. She sang a song, not we. My Redeemer lives. We know that statement is a personal statement that says, I know that my Redeemer lives. I want you to be able to leave here as believers. You might have been believers. You know, I, I ask people sometimes. I went Wednesday night. I said, tell me the story of Easter. Tell me the story of Easter. He is risen. Okay, now give me the details. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Most of us don't catch the details of the whole story and how God wove together a prophetic plan. But when we can catch that prophetic plan and catch the details... Do you know what it does to your faith? I want you to leave here, if you're a believer today, I want you to leave here with a message that's not just the broad message, but the message that's found in the details. That God cared enough for you and I that thousands upon thousands of years ago, he started a prophetic plan that will find its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So that you, someday, could step into a prophetic future that Jesus died for. That you today would understand, you might be going through all kinds of stuff. The Bible says that I have a high priest who cares about me and intercedes for me. Because he is, you are the redeemed of the Lord. Because he is, you can overcome. I love the scene. Get this. I love the scene. Come on, Troy. I hear kids in the nursery. I hear my wife in the nursery. If you don't soon stop, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> You're going to drink that cup sooner than you thought, pal. <laughs> Mary is outside of that tomb, weeping. She's, she's a mess. She's a mess. Remember who she was. History, legend tells us that Jesus cast out seven demons from her. Seven demons. And, and, and she's like, I don't know where they put him. I don't know where he's at. She's weeping. She's wailing. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes and says, excuse me. But she don't know it's Jesus. Remember? They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who's it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. <laughs> Isn't that kind of funny? 
Oh, never mind. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned. Jesus. She knew it. She knew it. You say, why am I closing with that? How many know a revelation of a risen Savior will take away your pain? Woman, why are you weeping? Why are you despairing? I'm not telling you you don't have heartache in this world. I'm not telling you you don't have disappointment in this world. I'm not telling you you don't have discouragement in this world. What I am telling you is that it's all tempered by a risen Savior. What I am telling you is you can handle the agony of death because of the life that Jesus has, because of a risen Savior. I can tell you you can overcome disappointment and disillusionment and discouragement because of the revelation of a Redeemer. I don't stand here today with joy because of Jim. I stand here with joy because of my Redeemer who lives. Remember, remember who your Redeemer is. You say, look at that freak up there. He's got white pants on, red shoes, and a black shirt. Well, that was because I liked it. But then everything becomes a sermon. <laughs> and I don't even play it. Pastor Henry said, we were having revival today. I came in, he said, we're having revival today. Pastor Troy has a suit and tie on. And then he looked at me and said, forget the revival. You see, here's what I know. That my, I, I was a sinner gone to hell dressed in black. But because I am grounded in the blood of Jesus, I'm giving a robe of righteousness. Come on. How many can see it this morning? <laughs> Come on. Everybody say, Jesus is. Jesus is. Because he is. Because he is. I am the redeemed of the Lord. Come on. Do you see it this morning? Do you see the prophetic picture this morning? That's all I got for you on Easter Sunday. The message is in the details. If you miss the details, you'll miss the depth of the message. It was the high priest that came to Calvary with the offering. That took the blood into the holy place and put it on the mercy seat that was himself. So that you could meet God through that mercy seat. My God is good. My God is so good. Father, this morning in this house, I want to pray that everybody in this house would know you as Redeemer. Not just hear about you as Redeemer, but know you as Redeemer. That they could say, my Redeemer lives. That, Father, it would be the revelation, the revelation of a risen Savior that would bring joy. That weeping endured for a season with Mary until... She had a revelation of a risen Redeemer. Father, this morning, my prayer in this house, that each and every one of us, we'd be able to see everything in our life that we face, everything that's caused weeping, everything that's caused disappointment, everything that's caused despair, would pale in comparison to the joy of a risen Savior. 
Thank you, Father, that you sent your son. Thank you that he was the high priest that brought the lamb, that he was the lamb, that he's the lamb that he sacrificed on the altar, that he was the one who took the blood into the holy place, that he was the one that became the mercy seat, that he is the one that left his grave clothes behind and put on his high priestly ornaments. And thank you today that he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. And thank you, Father, that someday he's coming back and we're going to be with him and we're going to sit at the supper and we're going to drink that fourth cup. Oh, God, it's so good. Let us all rejoice in it this morning so father thank you thank you because jesus is come on stand to your feet this morning see i didn't even make you late for easter dinner but if you'd have been smart you'd plan it for three o'clock i mean i'm only on closing number three Oh, he went to get the boys so they could sing. Where are the boys at? In this Yeah? Good. Somebody go open that door and tell Brian Porter I want him. And then I'll close. He said, oh, no. <laughs> Come here, man. You can run, but you can't hide. And by the way, Brad made me sound like, you know, I, I put a gun to his head. He had to do that testimony. But basically what it was, he sent the email. I sent him back. He said, I can make you an offer you can't refuse. Come <laughs> man. Listen, I watched you in operation this week. First of all, let me say this. You grew up in this church. You know, we got a history here. And um, you're stuck with us. But I, I, I'm really proud of you. I'm, I've got to tell you how proud I am of you. You know, I, I watched you in operation this week. And God has put you in a place of authority. And God has put you in a place of authority. Not, can I say what you do? Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm like, he, he's, he does probation and parole. Okay. He oversees guys and he oversees ladies. And they had to come to the place and do, uh, he brought a whole team of them over to write to do community service because they had hours. But listen to me. God has put you there more than to supervise them in a, in, a, in a legal capacity to make sure they're putting their hours and do all this stuff. But God has given you an incredible platform to be a liaison between him. It's almost like a, a priestly role where you can show them Jesus and you can put them in the positions and you can put them in places. And I watched you this week with them. You came there and you, you not only brought them there that they could work, but you worked alongside of them. And, and that, that's an awesome thing, man. And, and I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud of your heart for them. I saw your heart. I see your heart for them. And I just want you to know that, 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 ah, I'm trying to figure out, God, where do you want me to go with this? Okay. Sometimes you got to understand pastors just ramble till they figure it out. Okay. Whoa. Oops, did I just get turned off? Esther. You know her story? Go ahead and get the Bible and read it. Okay. But the Bible tells us Esther, Esther was an orphan girl, grew up, she got put in a king's harem. It's kind of a seat story in some sense. But this, this woman, who was an orphan, was put there by God because she was there to bring the salvation. There was a moment of salvation to the Jews who were going to be destroyed by God.
uneven filling. But here was the point. The Bible says there was a place where that Mordecai said to her, for who knows that you have come to such a position for such a time as this. She was not an accident. She was not put in a position by accident. But she was there to be a, 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 a liaison between God and the people. And this position that you're in is a God-ordained appointment. It's a God moment there for such a time as this. He wants you to be there so that people will see God. All right? You, you, am I cutting in? I'm out. I am? Yeah. Okay. I'm not crazy. Listen, you sound people. I'm going to tell you something right now. <laughs> I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. All right? But God puts you there. He puts you there. It's an appointment. It's not something you did as a career choice. It's something that God did. He put you there. He put you there for a reason. He put you there to be a witness. He put you there to be a testimony. He put you there to point people in a direction that they will see Jesus. And I'm so proud of you. Because I saw what he, I saw what he's doing in your life. And I'm telling you, I'm proud of you. I'll help you any way we can. And, and we'll help all those that you, amen. Father, bless this man. Bless him in the position you put him in. It's an appointment from you. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a career calling. It's a mandate from heaven. And so, Father, I ask you that you give him the gifts of the Spirit to operate by wisdom, discernment, that you give him uh, all the gifts that he would need in order to fulfill that calling that you've put upon his life. It's a different calling than this. It's not standing up and preaching. It's not standing up and being a pastor. But rather, it's being a living, breathing example of, of Jesus in that realm, in that element. And so, Father, we pray now that there'll be a harvest of souls, of men and women, who will be changed because this man led him to that place. And there'll be deliverance because you have put him in a position for such time as this. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen.